I'm Sean Fennessy. I'm Amanda Dobbins. And together we host The Big Picture, the Ringer's film podcast for new releases, career retrospectives, director interviews, movie drafts, top fives, and so much more. Twice a week, we break down the latest releases, argue about whether movies are doomed, and debate our modern film canon. Listen to The Big Picture on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome back to What About Your Friends, a podcast dedicated to the many lives of friendship and how it's portrayed in pop culture. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Variety TV critic Allison Herman to talk about a wild movie centered around friendship, Saltburn, which is now in theaters. FYI, we will be talking spoilers, so please, please go see the movie if you haven't and come back and listen to our combo. Allison, it's great to have you. Oh, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So what I love to ask our guests, or actually also my co-hosts, before we get started, is how's your heart? My heart is warm. It is Thanksgiving (laughs) week. And I, you know, absent the um, colonialist context, I love any holiday that (laughs) revolves around food and being grateful. So I'm just choosing to lean into that. Oh, that's, I, I was going to say, I'm not sure if we're going to tap into the warmth on this episode. There's might be some darkness that we might be tapping into, but before we like dive in deep, I want to know like, what's your big picture take on Saltburn? Style over substance, I think is the most Ooh. concise way to put it, which is also a little bit how I felt about Emerald Fennell, the writer-director's first film, Promising Young Woman. So In her two-film biography, I'm starting to see a bit of a theme. Ooh, okay. So as you mentioned, Saltburn is written and directed by Emerald Fennell, which is a follow-up to the feature that you just mentioned, Promising Young Woman, who also stars Carrie Mulligan, who has a funny little turn and role in Saltburn. And Saltburn stars Bari Keoghan, which I hope I said right, as Oliver, and Jacob Elordi as Felix. It's this dark, comedy thriller. I don't know if you would uh, agree with that about friendship 
definitely class and striving where Oliver, this apparently poor and hard done by university student, befriends a wealthy landed classmate, Felix, and is invited to his manor Saltburn over the summer. But before we get into like the specifics and context on that, on that big take, that big picture take you just offered, what do you think of like the movie or more specifically the performances throughout this feature? I certainly think the performances are the highlight and really elevate this movie. Um, Barry Kewen, who you mentioned, has not, I think he's been attracted a lot of notice for these very colorful, high impact, more supporting turns. Um, in Killing of a Sacred Deer, the Yorgos Lanthimos movie, he's absolutely terrifying. He randomly got a Marvel glow up. He got awards attention last year for being in the Banshees of Inisherin. Yeah. And one of the things I liked the most about this movie is it's both such a huge opportunity for him to be a true leading man, but it's a movie that leans into not only his um, freakiness and uncanny qualities, which I think are his <laughs> primary distinguishing feature in his career so far, but it lets him be like hot and sexy in a very <laughs> unconventional, yes. screwy way. And I really appreciated that. So You're here for even it. though yeah. I had mixed feelings about the movie overall, I applaud Emerald Fennell and her use of Barry as a, as a starring actor. Yeah, I, I mean, the word unconventional is really a great way to describe his like uh, lustiness or like, you know, that part of his role. How did you feel about uh, Felix, like Felix's character? Um, well, Jacob Elordi is also someone who, first of all, is having quite the month between this and Priscilla. Yes. But I think his his breakout role was in the show Euphoria, where he's playing such a textbook high school bully to the point where, frankly, his acting did not really stand out for me in that show because I don't think it's the most challenging role. And this one, you know, I actually admired his ability to um, communicate Felix's more naive and sensitive sides. Although I did not think Felix and his relationships within his family were as well or interestingly depicted as Oliver necessarily. And I also have my mm. problems with how Oliver was characterized. So we'll probably get into both of those soon. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit more about that that take that you offered in the beginning, that it's more styled than substance. Well, first of all, so the film is titled Saltburn after this gorgeous English estate that um, Felix's family, the Cattons, own and Barry's character Oliver is invited to for a summer the set design and the production design are absolutely stunning. The movie is full of these montages. There's one set to time to pretend where they're drunkenly playing tennis and lounging by the pool. And you do get swept away in the sense of atmosphere. And there's great acting, not only by um, Barry and Jacob, but I think the standout performance is pretty obviously Rosamund Pike as Felix's mother, who just gets... Yes one liner after one liner. And so when I was watching the movie, I was, I was having a good time, but I also did not think these individual scenes and moments and exchanges I really enjoyed were put together into either, you know, a statement about class or friendship mm. or even just a cohesive and well-developed sense of suspense, which you really need with this kind of movie because its most obvious influence besides 
Evelyn Woe's Bride's Head Revisited, which is name checked in the movie itself, is The Talented Mr. Ripley, which is based on the Patricia Highsmith story of the same name. And, you know, if you're going to go after Patricia Highsmith, like you need to nail that sense of creepy impending dread and not knowing what's going to happen next. And I just did not think the movie was able to sustain that. So even though I was glad I saw it in a theater, I would not, you know, (laughs) something I said on Twitter was that I felt like this was a summer no thoughts, just vibes movie that (laughs) for some reason they're putting out in November as an Oscar play. And I, I did not think that was the right calculation, but we'll see, I guess. Yeah. I mean, when we talk about friendship themes, which we'll get like more into, I do think it was like choppy. At least for me, it wasn't really cohesive. And I feel like at first, I guess before the like kind of twists and turns very much at the latter end, it seemed a little, I don't know, kind of uh, predictable in a way. Um, Also, yeah, I mean, the everything about it as far as like where they were and how they dressed and like just their mannerisms were very stylish and very like something I couldn't keep my eyes away. And just like the color of everything was also really great. Um, What do you think they could have done better when it came to kind of strengthening the storylines of friendship? Well, I think the entire movie is supposed to hinge on this fascination that Oliver has with the Catton family in general, but Felix in particular, and this obsessive uh, lust and affection. And what Fennel is trying to play with is the archetype of the outsider striver who gets drawn in and is over their head or alternately, you know, worms their way in and um, ends up on top and getting one over on these complacent rich people. I think what Fennel was trying to do was lure us in with one perception, which the trailer is very much implying, you know, people get lost in salt burn. And the idea is kind of that um, Oliver's the one being drawn in. And I think she was attempting to surprise us with the fact that actually Oliver was the one who is pulling the strings or in charge the entire time. And the problem, as I experienced it, is, as you said, by the end, it's predictable because she doesn't do a great job disguising Oliver's motivations. But at the same time, because she's not being totally straightforward about what he's up to the whole time, I think she's um, holding herself back from what might have been a more interesting movie. So Mm, to maybe get into what starts to happen when um, Oliver was invited to this estate, Um, It's basically Felix, his parents, played by Rosamund Pike and Richard E. Grant, his sister, Venetia, played by Allison Oliver, and his cousin, played by Archie Medecwe, I believe. And there's an interesting, like, strategy that Oliver starts to take where he's either directly seducing or just flirting with a bunch of the family members. Yeah. And those were frankly my... Yes. Which are like, <laughs> frankly, my favorite scenes. Like there's a, there's a moment where he like ogles Rosamund Pike and she's clearly taken aback and doesn't know what to do with it. Or, or he's overtly manipulating, um, Venetia, Venetia yeah. and Archie's character. And, you know, there are reversals she attempts to do where, you know, you see him sleep with Archie's character and then you find out Archie's character sent some incriminating email in the next scene. And then it's treated as a reveal that like, while immediately after they had a sexual interaction, Oliver sabotaged that character. But 
it's very obvious that that's kind of what happened. And I think that takes the greatest toll on the central relationship between Oliver and Felix, because even though it's going to a more explicit, more interesting, naughty place with all these other characters who aren't ultimately as important to what the movie is trying to do, it still keeps the um, Oliver-Felix relationship in this kind of subtextual, unconsummated longing that has a lot of precedent in fiction, but I kind of wish it took that extra step because we we know how that kind of relationship goes. Again, it's the talent of Mr. Ripley, but I would have loved to see a movie where Oliver also seduces Felix and like that actually gets to play out a bit more and that thread gets teased mm. out a bit more and just more directly being straightforward the, with the fact that like this is a movie about Oliver manipulating people. Yeah. Um, Almost in the way where one of my favorite movies is the favorite, the Yorgos Lanthimos movie, speaking of Barry's filmography from 2018. And that's a movie where Emma Stone walks in and quite literally fucks her way to the top. But you're never, you know, in any real doubt about what that character's motivation is. It's just the pleasure of watching her scheme and manipulate her way and and make all these people into putty in her hands. And there's no attempted keeping of the wool over our eyes when it comes to what's going on there. And that's one of my favorite movies about the sort of platonic and not relationships between women. And if Saltburn wanted to be something similar for um, queer sexuality among men, I think that would have been a very cool direction to take it in. But as as it stands, it didn't totally work for me on that level. Yeah. I mean, I do... I do I do get the whole like if you're gonna take it there, take it there, especially with like the Oliver and Felix relationship. I feel like the moments that are kind of cringe are when they're not they're about them both, but they're not together, right? So when like Oliver's like slurping the bath water after Felix gets out and later he's like fucking the grave, like those moments where like they're not together, but they are, and those are like, oh, okay they went there again, like not really, if you're going to, you know, cover these tropes and like cover them in the way that's like, not just surface level. I I think I, I kind of think about it. The, you kind of touched upon this. And I think also with just the, the scenes I just mentioned is this, uh, trope of like this, like repressed homoerotic, like undertones, which you've mentioned like talented Mr. Ripley, which I guess is like a tie to that. And it's like these repressed, uh, repressed undertones until, they're funny until they're not funny. So even like the whole Oliver just like grinding over Felix's grave is something I haven't seen in a minute, if ever, and won't ever forget. Uh, but how did you feel about just kind of these, again, like these repressed homoerotic undertones that kind of play out probably like half to the latter end of the movie? Yeah, again, I sort of wish they were a little more explicit. Like, even if the film is set in 2006, which was this period setting that Emerald Fennell makes a ton of, makes a lot of in terms of the soundtrack and the vibes. I wish that she brought more of that 2023 vantage point to Mm. how we are depicting the relationships. Um, I also think maybe now would be a good time to talk about class and how it inflects the relationship and that we are initially led to believe that Oliver is from almost an operatically tragic background, you know, substance abuse, uh, parents who are deceased, uh, scholarships. 
And then later you find out um, Felix insists on driving to Oliver's hometown. And the reveal is that Oliver is actually from this comfortable middle-class background, which was something that I think sort of prioritized the shock of that over what it really meant for the characters and the relationship between them. Like it's a reversal that ultimately doesn't illuminate that much about Oliver's psychology or really do much except hasten the climax of the movie. And, you know, both does not make necessarily logistical sense in that you see Oliver getting made fun of for his clothes and scholarship and stuff. And it's like, Oh, was that a front or, um, you know, it, it both didn't play out in a logistical sense and also didn't, you know, make a lot of class differential as a source of like tension or texture within mm. that friendship. This episode is brought to you by eBay authenticity guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. I mean, so... I guess like an overview with Oliver and Felix. So Oliver's is like middle or I guess working class who gets pulled into like an upper class friend group or environment where, which, I mean, I guess he's been eyeing from across the way for a while. We know now it's pretending, but he pretends to be like this fish out of water. And Oliver abandons his odd like math genius friend, Michael, in favor for this upper class friend group led by Felix and where he's actually not really accepted by anyone but Felix, especially from not by Farley, because Farley tells him very upfront that you'll never be a part of this friend group. Um, But he will always be a part of this friend group because he's family, which also is interesting. But he uses this like working class background um, and comes up with this, this lie that he has drug addict parents pretty much to gain like Felix's friendship through like pity and guilt. And the minute that I guess Felix starts pulling away and... I guess I think it was Varley that, you know, mentioned something that like sooner or later, Felix will just get like a new toy to play with. Um, And I think that when we first see that is when Felix starts pulling away from Oliver and Oliver comes up with uh, a layered lie that his father had passed away in order to kind of like reel him back in. So like you said, when one of the twists is when they do go visit Oliver's family And nothing of that is true. It's like they're very happy to see him. They're very well off. Like, I guess as a birthday surprise, Felix takes takes Oliver back home and it completely breaks their trust, obviously. And I kind of wish that it would have been more palpable to see Felix's realization of that like class tension that there was uh, for Oliver, I guess, 
I personally don't think that we talk about like class differences among friends in real life as much. And I feel like that was, this was like an opportunity to do that. I feel like there's, you know, I think it's like the same as with like finances. You don't talk to like your friends or sometimes lovers about finances. I think that kind of like goes hand in hand with, we don't really talk about like a class divide among friends. So I I was like looking forward to seeing that because I did know that that was a big theme going into the movie. What do you think like that twist was meant to do or what Fennel was trying to do by adding that twist to the story of like him kind of making up this, this extravagant lie or layered lie? Yeah. Going back to that style over substance comment, I think it's, it's chasing the surprise and the gasp. And, you know, I think maybe we can talk about like the final, final scene of the movie. Yes. (laughs) Where, um, Oliver has successfully, um, duped or killed every member of the Catton family, which is another thing is that like the movie kind of takes a turn and suddenly the body count starts escalating and it it feels (laughs) less like reality. And, but he is strutting through Saltburn as the song Murder on the Dance Floor plays and he is completely naked and it is like so striking and fun in the moment and you can almost see how someone would maybe like have that vision in their mind of that shot and almost reverse construct an entire movie around it yeah but again it, it leaves it with a little bit of an emptiness and going back to how you know you hoped that the class tensions would maybe have been more central to the movie yeah i think maybe one of the early tells that oliver is not who he says he is is i feel like in a lot of those friendships the person with less income is extremely embarrassed of their poverty and doing whatever they can to hide it and put their best friend forward and not accept handouts and there's a lot of pride involved in that dynamic And what you instead get is Oliver like over the top being like, you don't understand. My mother did this and my (laughs) father did this and I didn't have anything. And he's laying it on so thick that again, it's like not that shocking when it doesn't turn out to be true, but it also misses some of that real life dynamic that I think can be very convincing when you see it on screen of like what that class differential in a platonic context actually looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I know that, I guess, I'm assuming that the idea was to show this like obsession with upward mobility, like within those classes. And I guess the lengths that someone's willing to go to gain status, including like cosplaying as a working class or using working class struggle to like gain sympathy. And I think that also makes me think of like Farley's role as well with like having this like class divide with Felix where like Felix's family kind of like takes him in and it feels like it's also somewhat out of pity but Farley's doing the best uh possible to stay within this family until there's I think there's tension that arises throughout but I I do remember the scene where Farley kind of accuses Felix's family, parents specifically, of uh, racism. And Felix is just like, never, like that would never, and you're ungrateful kind of thing. And it's just like, again, I guess was like a moment to really go into it because we are talking about class and now we're talking about race, which I think is important uh, because I think those two also go hand in hand. But what did you think of like Farley's role within within the the theme of a class divide among friendship? I think... It was one of the most promising elements of the movie to Mm. me when you begin, like Farley and Oliver are tutorial partners at Oxford, which means that it's just the two of them and a professor. And 
Farley is able to sort of speak the language and bond with the professor because they know the same people and have the same references and Oliver is left out, which again, does not scan as well when you know his true background. But I think Farley has this interesting context of someone who may not have the money and the absolute security that you associate with that class, but because they grew up in that context, they still quote unquote belong. They still know how to speak the language. They still know how to comport themselves. And I think that dynamic is interesting and the adversarial dynamic that very quickly strikes up between Farley and Oliver of, you know, clearly Farley is convinced like there can only be one of us. Like, (laughs) yes, only one person can have this tenuous status within the friend group or be sort of adopted until now that's been me. And maybe it's going to be you. And there's that, again, a really fun scene of um, Farley kind of sets Oliver up to be humiliated by queuing up uh, the pet shop boys pay my rent at karaoke. (laughs) Um, But again, it sort of fades away. And, you know, there's the seduction scene that is like fun in itself, but sort of disrupts the dynamic at play. And it doesn't really cohere in the end or like have a consistent thread. So I enjoyed that, but I wish the movie had made more of it. And in part, you know, I don't totally trust a like very posh white British woman who played Camilla Parker Bowles and whose 18th birthday was in Tatler magazine, which is a fun <laughs> detail that came up on Twitter. I did not you know, know that. I think Saltburn is very much like she knows of what she speaks there. And I think dipping a toe into like American racial politics because um Farley is American because his mother. Yeah went to America instead of staying in England is, is maybe like a little out of her comfort zone. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the scene where, where Farley kind of sets up this pet shop boys karaoke and he does like at the end finish the song and he's like, gladly, like he, I guess he was just like, I think he clearly knows his place as well. Like he knows kind of his role within this family. I don't think he knew though how much, manipulation from Oliver could have changed that. But I do think, again, like that was a great scene that could have done more, but I I got it. I think you you mentioned in the beginning that one of your favorite performances was by like Elsbeth or Rosemont Pike, who plays Elsbeth. I think what's interesting is we actually introduced, I think, of the family through Carrie Mulligan's character, Pamela, which I think was interesting. I think they're like having a conversation Uh, with her. And then later there's like a conversation about her. But how did you feel about that friendship? If we want to call it a friendship between uh, Elsbeth and and Pamela? I think that's sort of, you know, we're clearly set up to believe like this is Oliver's predecessor and he should expect to be treated the way she's treated. So she's this kind of a mess um, all over the place, doesn't really know how to handle herself. And she's been staying at Saltburn to get back on her feet. And by the time Oliver shows up, they're trying to, you know, heavily imply that she should leave <laughs> without ever explicitly saying, which is very fun to watch. Yeah. And you get the sense of like this family that will just use people up and discard them and move on to the next thing. And again, it's implied that Felix does the same thing where he just sort of adopts someone and then sees yeah. the next shiny object and runs away. And again, that's like a little more interesting of a push-pull dynamic and the movie kind of sacrifices that to go in a different direction with what Oliver's ultimately doing. Yeah. I think I think you also see 
the like forming of Elsbeth's and Oliver's dynamic when they are talking about Pamela at the dinner table. Um, and then later, Oliver seems like he's kind of like known how like Pamela's character this whole time, uh, which only like kind of uh, solidifies what Elsbeth was already thinking of Pamela. I think that's when we find out that Elsbeth uh, that Pamela's passed away, and they're going there. She's she's kind of like making this this yeah, deal sad. about it. She committed suicide. She'll do anything for attention. Exactly one of the, one of the great one liners. <laughs> um, I think you did mention that dynamic between Elsbeth and. And Oliver, and clearly at the end, we see that it was also just manipulation to get to kill her and get all her money and manner and all these things. But how did you feel about that dynamic and how like the progression was throughout the the film? Yeah, I think you could almost argue like that's the central toxic friendship of the movie, mm. more so than the the Felix one. I mean, it's certainly the one that lasts the longest over the longest period of time and. I enjoyed more because, again, that's like a little less stereotypical of a relationship of like, you know, the friend with the mom and the um, Mm. weird kinship that can kind of exist between people who are uh, older than their years and their friend's parents, I think, is a special bond you do not often see represented on screen. Um, And they're also just the two, as we've noted, like most dynamic screen presences in the movie. It's very fun to watch them. Yeah. Be paired together in that way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're both a little evil, as yes. uh, which I think is why. I mean, everyone has, everyone in this film is a little evil. Oliver clearly taking the cake. But I do think that that is kind of what they have that kind of want to ties them as they're a little, they're a little at, more at a level together of evil than the others. But it does make me realize, like, if any of these people can actually really form healthy, substantial friendships, because I don't think that we see, I mean, I guess Felix, weirdly enough, is the only one that I'm like, maybe, but according to everyone else, no, because he discards his, his friends after a while. But do you think that there is like a true friendship? Yeah, I think Felix has this sort of naivete where I think in his head, he does really genuinely care for people around him and clearly does not suspect people around him of ulterior motives or think badly of them, um, which leaves him vulnerable to being used. But I do think there's much more of a kindred spirit relationship between Elspeth and Oliver, where, you know, they clearly recognize something in one another. Yeah. Um, So there's more candor. But yeah, no, I think clearly no one in this movie is capable of real friendship. And, you know, you see that with um, Oliver and his first friend, who he just immediately walks away from and who, you know, the guy seems to understand, like, the only basis of their relationship is that they occupy the same very low rung on the social ladder. And there's nothing keeping them together Mm. except that necessity of having someone to talk to. So yeah, I think every relationship in this movie is transactional. And if it isn't like you're just getting played. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we, we touched on the, I guess the ending, the twist of the twist a little bit. And I feel like that was, I mean, you shared how you felt a little bit about it. I feel like it, it was, it left it pretty like ambiguous like but basically but also like obvious that Oliver was responsible right for everyone's death one by one but I feel like if we would have known a little bit more about this early on I think it would have been a little bit more interesting instead of like getting flashbacks or getting like little snippets right like we got a lot of the evil very at the latter end versus like 
in the beginning. Um, so, you know, like I think one that I, one flashback I remember is when Felix places like the razor blades next to Venetia when she's in the bathtub. And like, you know, we, we only see that clearly after we know that Venetia has, is dead in the bathtub. So, but we needed a flashback for us to know that that happened. Um, so it's almost like we're getting all this at the very end and it is all very interesting and intense, but at the same time, like, I wonder how it would have been or it would have felt if we kind of had these little, like, sprinklings of evil in the very beginning. And just kind of, like, it leaves Oliver also, like, as some, like, hand-rubbing supervillain, which I don't know how you feel about that. Right. I mean, the flashbacks don't tell us anything, I think, is the the critical flaw. Like, I... In theory, Oliver and Felix's relationship is supposed to be the center of the movie. And they have this climactic confrontation during a costume party. And they have this emotional, um, they're yelling at each other in a courtyard. And, you know, it's very tortured and it cuts away. And then you find out Felix died. And it's like, were we supposed to think anything else happened? Like, of course, Oliver had something to do (laughs) with that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe the Venetia one felt the most or like felt the most surprising. But even then it doesn't, you know, anyone can just be watching the movie and tell what's happening. And it does rob that final exchange between Oliver and Felix of some finality when it's you have this like little tag that doesn't really, again, contribute much to the overall emotional experience of the film. And I sort of, you know, one of the flaws this movie had to me was that it ended like four times. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's a great point, actually. And I think maybe if it had concentrated a little more on bringing the Oliver Felix dynamic to a really satisfying conclusion or even the Oliver Elsbeth dynamic, but instead it feels like Felix passes away and then there's a whole extra half an hour, but we don't really learn anything more about Oliver and what drives him in that time. Yeah. I do feel like the Elizabeth and Oliver friendship could have been a vessel to kind of highlight Oliver's sociopathic tendencies uh, because I feel like she could be kind of the right, the right amount of fuel of evil to kind of like bring that out in some way. Do you feel like just the way it all ended, it like cheapened or like deepened the themes about friendship across class? Um, an interpretation I have seen of the ending is that the moral is that upper class people should be afraid of striving middle class people who are mm. coming to um, acquire their wealth, which I think I didn't fully agree with. I honestly don't even think it's that well thought through of a statement. <laughs> um, I think it's ultimately going for the idea that friendship is purely a means to acquisition for Oliver Mm. and he's simply like a savvier operator than these people. Like, I don't think they're totally meant to be innocent victims, um, the Cattens, but it's just kind of, they're fun patsies who you don't really pity that much when they ultimately get what's coming to them. But yeah, again, I I was just felt left with a little bit of a a hollow feeling and you know, maybe that's what the movie's okay with because it is a little bit nihilist in its overall outlook, but I just wish it had dialed itself in a little more exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like now that I, that I think about now that we've talked about this, I think it's more so like transactional friendships more than this class like divide between 
friends, if anything. I know that that was like the through line, right? That was that Oliver was supposed to be poor and all these things. But I think it is more so just, I feel like everyone kind of wanted something out of their friendship, not just Oliver. I think that that is kind of what I got out of it was just like, oh, it's it's more transactional uh, is like the theme really that that this played out for me. But do you have any more more thoughts, more hot takes on Saltburn? <laughs> well, um, <laughs> perhaps I think similarly to perhaps if uh, the Felix Oliver relationship could be consummated, maybe the Oliver um, Elspeth flirtation could also have been consummated. <laughs> also, <laughs> that would have been fun to see. And then, you know, my take is always when it comes to these like decades long, you know, he was always pulling the strings and in yeah. control and he wins along as I'm like, if you're that good at manipulating people, couldn't you get rich in like any other way? Like, couldn't you just <laughs> get a, get a wall street job and become a cast member on industry and make me a millionaire. And then, you know, you can just buy an estate of your own. Like, yeah. Could you have done this quicker, Oliver? Yeah. Yeah. He seems like, resourceful maybe... <laughs> enough that I don't think he needed to depend on the Cattons, but maybe that's my, my final take on this movie. That is funny though. It took him a long time. A lot of like deaths and tries to get to where he ultimately needed to be. Um, but that is true. He probably could have gotten there a lot sooner, but I appreciate you coming on, Allison, and talking Saltburn with me. Is where can people find you and your work? These hot takes on Twitter. Yes, um, always. <laughs> I'm on Twitter. I'm on all social mediums, really, at, at A Herman 2006. And as you said at the top, I'm a critic at Variety, where you can read my commentary mostly on television, but um, I publish there regularly. So that's where you can find me most of the time. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you to everyone for listening. If you have any thoughts or feels about Saltburn, uh, email us at whataboutyourfriendspod at gmail.com. Talk to you all next week. Bye.